51. Therefore, the king asked advice, made two calves of gold, and he said to the people, it is too much. Say that with me. It is too much. Let's say that again. It is too much for you to go to, to, go to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And he set up in Bethel. He set one up in Bethel and the other in, he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan in the verse 31. And he made a shrine on the high places and made priests from every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. Father, in Jesus' name, have your way. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. It is too much. It is too much to go up to Jerusalem. Most of you know by now that I grew up in North Philadelphia. And for some reason, most summers, after everyone either graduated or was promoted during the elementary years, I was assigned to go to summer school. That was not because of special honors. I was a problem child. No, you, you would have never figured that out. I had to walk a great distance from 32nd and Dolphin to 24. 98 West Diamond Street, that was a life-changing endeavor every time you made that trek because you had to go through so many different gang, quote-unquote, territories. Not far from William Dick School, there was a train station. And Around that train station, there was a chain-linked fence. And there were signs, beware of high voltage. Do not play on the tracks. Do not cross when trains are coming. Prohibited for human activity. Stay away. <laughs> and on top of that, whenever a train would be entering the area, there would be flashing red lights. Train is arriving. Train is arriving. Somebody got the bright idea to cut a hole in the chain link fence. They discovered that there was a way to get to summer school quicker through a shortcut by crossing over the railroad tracks. And so what was a shortcut to some 
became a death sentence for others because the children not only would take shortcuts to get to summer school, they went to other places in the neighborhood, they began to play games of dare. Can you beat the train? Can you jump off the track? And so several children lost their lives because they failed to beware of the danger of shortcuts. How many of you know when it comes to our spiritual life, there are no shortcuts to holiness. You cannot rub up against somebody who's praising the Lord and you become somehow filled with the Spirit of God and now you and them are praising the Lord in sync and, and, you're, you, you, and, 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 and you have the same Holy Spirit experience that they are. It, it doesn't work that way. And what I want to share with you today that just like it's dangerous to ignore warning signs, it is also dangerous to take shortcuts to anything that would hinder you from becoming everything that God would want you to be. As he has promised in his word, Jesus said, I've come to give you life, but to give you life more abundantly. But there are no shortcuts to the abundant life. And today we're going to discover that During these COVID-19 years, we have been forever changed. We work differently. We travel. Some of us can work from home now. Hallelujah for all of those who don't have to live their house and burn up their gas. $5 a gallon. I'm going to just start standing at the gas station with a cane and a, a can. Say new direct, no, I won't do that. We travel differently. We shop differently. The malls aren't less packed, but we are a little more aware. We interact with one another differently. We learn, we have learned new ways to do life. While simplifying our lives can be helpful, there are no shortcuts to God's blessings. And when we turn our attention to 1 Kings, we are at a junction in the nation of Israel's history where the United Kingdom under King Saul, 1 King, David, succeeding king, third king of the nation of Israel was Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. But we're going to discover because he decided to take spiritual shortcuts. God decided on his side, I'm going to tear the very kingdom that is united from your hand. And so when we reach chapter 12 of 1 Kings, the united kingdom is now divided. The southern two tribes, the tribe of Benjamin and the tribe of Judah, and then there are the other ten tribes of Joseph or Jacob, Israel, he's also called Israel. So Jacob had 12 sons, and the 12 sons of Jacob made the 12 tribes of Israel. But because of Solomon's sin, now the two, the once united 12 are divided, two for the southern tribes and 10 for the northern tribes. Rehoboam, the son of 
Solomon is the king of the southern tribe and a man named Jeroboam. Don't name your son Jeroboam uh, unless you want him to be teased and bullied. Uh, became, by God's choice, the king over the northern ten. And the Bible says in verse 28 of chapter 12, after seeking advice, Jeroboam, the king, made two golden calves. He said to the people, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods who brought you up out of Egypt. If you are underscoring words in your Bible, I would have you to underscore the words. It is too much. It is too much. Israel, God's chosen people, were being offered a shortcut that reduced their travel, save them on some gas, give them the, the, the well-deserved break from making their trip from wherever they were traveling. Jeroboam said, it's too much to go all the way to Jerusalem. You don't have to, it don't take all that. Don't you know there's inflation? Don't you know you can't, uh, uh, there's monkeypox out there? And, Next, it'll be gorilla pox. And <laughs> now, before we answer the question, what was too far and why it was so too far, I want you to consider with me who made the statement to the nation of Israel that it was too much. And you need to be very careful about who you listen to because Somebody is in a position of authority and has a title, that doesn't mean what they're telling you to do in your spiritual life is from God. Beware of shortcuts. The person who was giving these instructions was Jeroboam. And the Bible says in uh, first, verse 20, uh, uh, chapter 12, it says, When all the Israelites heard that Jeroboam had returned, and this is really interesting how Jeroboam, when you get a chance, you want to start in chapter 11 and read about this guy named Jeroboam. They sent and they called him to, a, to an assembly and they made him king over Israel. But God had already, through the prophet Ahijah, made a Jeroboam aware that he had chosen him to be the king. Now, Jeroboam was God's prophetic rod of correction. In chapter 11, verses 29, stay with me, verses 29 through 33, we read, About this time Jeroboam was going out of Jerusalem in Ahijah. The prophet of Shiloh met him on the way wearing a new cloth. The two of them were alone out of the country, out in the country, and Ahijah took hold of his coat, and he took a... a, a Jeroboam had a, had a garment on, and he took hold of his coat, and he began to rip his coat in 12 pieces. Now, some of us would have started swinging. <laughs> but Jeroboam recognized that Ahijah was a prophet, and that prophets are the mouthpiece of God. And so he took the cloak, and he began to tear. He tore it in 12 pieces, and he said, the two separated the 12 by giving 
Jeroboam 2, he said the two, will be, these represent the southern tribes. They are being given to Rehoboam by God, and the ten will be yours. The ten will be yours. I will do this because they have forsaken me and worship Asterisk, the goddess of Sidon and Chemosh, the god of the Moabites. And so what God says, he explains to Jeroboam that the reason why I'm going to use you as a rod of correction for the southern tribes that Solomon came from is because Solomon was disobedient. And as an, when God addresses our disobedience, we fail to repent from, he will use a rod of correction. Now, this rod of correction is also called a rod of discipline, a rod of chastening. And a rod in the, in the Bible is a flexible limb. It's a, a switch or a twitch. Our parents used to say back in the day when we were about to get our, our backsides fired up, go get me a twitch, go get me a switch. Well, God will use the, the Jeroboams in our life, people who are in positions of authority, as a switch to chasten us. And so he prophetically was God's divine rod of chastisement for the nation of Israel because of Solomon's sin. Now, the interesting thing about the sin of Solomon is that God said, Solomon, I am not going to punish you in your lifetime by snatching or tearing the kingdom out of your hand. When you die, your sin will be paid for by your son and his son. Sometimes the, the chastisement, the discipline, the rod of correction that we are under is not because of anything that we've done. It's something that our parents did. It's something that we, that we are associated with. That's why the Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. There's some people you need to separate from. The Bible says, present your body as a what? Living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. There's some things that you need to walk away from because if you do not walk away from, you'll find yourself suffering as a result of somebody else's sin, somebody else's sin. And so the rod of correction was used even though Rehoboam wasn't guilty of Solomon's sin. Now, as I've already said, the Bible talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let a man examine himself. We learn in John chapter 16 that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to convict us and to convince us and, and, and bring us to a place of correction. And when we, when we are convicted and convinced and, and respond by examining ourselves, by, by correcting our behavior as a Holy that the discipline is the conviction. The, 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 the discipline of the Lord is the guilt, is the shame. But when we refuse to repent, what God will, what God said, this is a job for, this is a job for me. And so He comes in when you and I are practicing a particular sin that we refuse to repent of. God says, I will raise up Jeroboam's in your life. I'm going to put blocks. I'm going to, I'm going to prevent doors from opening for you. I'm going to prevent opportunities from coming. Away. And, and you think it's because of the color of your skin. You thought it because you're ginger. You thought it because uh, uh, you, you didn't do a great job. You, you, blew the, you really blew the interview away. That ain't the problem. The problem is that the rod of correction 
called Jeroboam is in the hand of God chasing us because God said, I chasten those who I love. And you know what's interesting about how God chastens us? Is he will take from us the very thing that matters most. He says, Solomon, I am going, you know I'm going to give this to me. I'm going to tear it. I will rip it out of your hands. So whatever you and I are holding on to that doesn't please God, whatever we are putting above God, God says, I will chasten you in such a way that I will tear it from your hands. There are times when the right person will give you the wrong advice. You go to them and they say, you say, well, I'm, I'm trying to find God's purpose. I'm trying to find God's direction. And, and, and I've shared this before. I went to the mother of the church, and I was telling her, I said, look, mother, I, I, I'm really struggling with my, with my, my sexual desires. I, I really want to live for the Lord. She said, God knows you're a man. You're a young man. She said, sow your, I remember it like, quoted it like yesterday, sow your wild oats. I think that was the first time I shouted. I said, hallelujah. I didn't know that was the highest praise, but something in my spirit. She was the right person, but she gave me the wrong advice. Jeroboam was a, was a, was, was a, was a prophetic rod of correction. He was the right person that God was using, but the advice he gave, he said, it's too much. COVID. Inflation. You work too hard. You deserve a break. It's too much to go to Jerusalem and worship. Stay home. You don't need to read your Bible. Just just come to church. And and when you do come to church, let somebody else tell you what they've learned. And and you kind of feed off of what their, their, their blessing is. It's too much. And so we find ourselves listening to the right people giving the wrong advice about taking shortcuts. Oh, I like the way the Lord puts it in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. He said, he said chastisement, being disciplined at the time you are receiving is never pleasurable. Nobody says, then whoop my butt. <laughs> you missed the side. <laughs> I said, well, you hurt me real bad unless you were saddest. He said, but those who respond in obedience to the chastening of a loving God find themselves trained in righteousness in such a way that what you did that caused your chastisement, well, you won't do it again. The reason he chased, so you won't do it again. And so I believe that as a country, as a world, the chastising hand of God is upon us. Everywhere you turn around, there's famine, there's drought. Now we got inflation. We we, we just ignoring God. And God said, okay, I know how to turn this heat up on you. I'm going to make you pay at the gas station. I'm going to make you pay at the grocery store. And you won't even know that it's me because you're running. You want a shortcut. And so we delve into our electronic devices and we just anesthetize our brain and don't understand that the hand of divine judgment is on us. We we, want to get out of the chastisement. We want a shortcut. But if you get trained, 
and learn from your mistakes, learn from your bad choices. And so Jeroboam was a prophetic rod of chastisement. I don't know who Jeroboam may be in your life, what God is trying to correct that you refuse to repent of. Jeroboam was also a problem for Solomon, but God protected him. The rod of Solomon, the Bible said, Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam when he was living. But Jeroboam fled to Egypt and Shishak, the king, and stayed there until Solomon died. God protected the rod of correction. But as long as Solomon was alive, because of Solomon's disobedience, what God will do, he will raise up adversaries. He will bring hell in your home. Solomon had three enemies, but, but, but Jer- Jeroboam was the only one that was a part of his cabinet. This was hell in his house. And so what God will do, he'll, you know, we can keep watching it on TV or, you know, I don't watch the news. Okay, I'm bringing the news to your house. And so what we try to do, we try to kill what God is using for our good in his glory. God's trying to bring us to a place where we're no longer destructive. We're no longer damaging other people. The scripture says, don't you know a little sin in your life that you know about and won't repent? Repent. Leaveneth the whole lump. Now watch this. When the same people that you're trying to avoid seem to reappear in different places with different faces and different names, maybe God is trying to say, stop trying to take shortcuts. You changed job. You've been married five times. You've moved to different parts. And every place you move, you meet the same person. They just have a different t- tone of skin. They did a different name, but the same issue. And what God is saying, stop trying to take shortcuts. Deal with your Esau. Stop running from Esau. Deal with your Esau. Look yourself in the mirror and allow the light of my word to shine on those areas that didn't go because you changed addresses, you changed last names, you got a little bit more. No, no, no. You need to change. And the only way that we're going to change is to stop taking shortcuts. Real change is not convenient. Want to lose weight, right? (laughs) Yeah, I do. But we eat everything that doesn't move. (laughs) Jeroboam was promised God's blessing if he walked in obedience. Oh, here, listen, listen to this. In verses 37, 38, it says, however, as for you, God speaking to Jeroboam, I will take you. And you will rule over all that is in your heart, all that your heart desires. You will be king over Israel. Now, here's the condition. If you do whatever I command and walk in obedience to me and do what is right in my eyes, not yours, by obeying my decrees and commands as my servant David did. Here's the shortcut. We want God. God said, whatever you touch, I'm going to bless. Wherever you put your foot, I'm going to bless Joshua. But the, but, but the condition is this, if you obey my word. You, you, can't, you can't go around that curve. You can't, you can't skip that step. 
You can't YouTube yourself into a, a YouTube university and somehow e erase the need for obedience. And so I, I, I used to say, I, I would, I'd be in places I shouldn't be, and I'd be quoting scripture. I'm buttoning my shirt. The Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> Reach down, applying the word of God. You can't shortcut that. God is not going to bless mess. He's not signing off on your sin. Well, I just want to live in a nice neighborhood. I just want to make a certain kind of living. I want to have a great family. Well, be obedient. Well, do I have to go that way? Can't I take another direction? Can't I just uh, uh, be promoted, get my master and the doctorate degree in, in, in spiritual prosperity? You know how they say, name it and claim it, and you got it. You may have it, but God didn't give it to you, and therefore it's not a blessing. He said, if you obey me. But Jeroboam was persuaded by those closest to him to put personal ambition above the plans of God. He says, it's too much. It shouldn't take this much to live for Jesus. Talking about sharing your faith and giving your hard-earned money. Who's hard-earned? The Bible says that all that we have come from the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And everything that, I think everything that dwells therein includes you and me. He's, he, the Bible says that he sought the advice of men. Even though God's word promised, Jeroboam, if you obey me. Jeroboam said, I got a shortcut. I got an emoji for this. I got an icon for this. I'm going to click on this and everything I want. I ain't going to have to wait for God. I'm not going to have to pray. I'm not going to have to do it God's way. I can just click on my emoji. That's, that's the kind of God we want. So the king basically was saying, you don't have to travel all the way to New Direction Bible Fellowship. You can go online. You can, you can, you can, you can, you can, you can live stream. And I, for all of those who are sick and you, you have medical issues, praise God for our online church. But if you ain't sick and you can get your backside up and go to church, and you're going to be in the mall this afternoon or somewhere in a pool in your, back, in your backyard or some, some, some apartment complex, you need to be in the house of the Lord. It is not too much. He sought to cut corners. How many of you know that convenience can kill you? Use my little, uh, what was it, Garmin when they first came out for my GPS? Going to Harrisburg, mighty men of valor. No, I was one of the speakers. I, went, I was going down to preach at a pastor Asses church, and the Garmin took me right to the edge of a river. <laughs> I mean, I, when, I, when, I turned, when I realized, I was like, if I had gone any further, it said, this, you have reached your destination. <laughs> I, was, I got to Harrisburg quicker than I thought. It was a shortcut, but it almost cost me and my wife our lives. We want an Amazon version of God, a God that fits our size and special occasions, one that we can return if we don't like it. 
We want to order God. We want a golden calf, somebody we can put in our back pocket, somebody we can put on the shelf of our house, somebody who is restricted by location. He can't see us when we turn the lights out. He can't see us when we cuss somebody out. He can't see us when we talk about who we're going to hurt and who we're going to steal from. He can't see that. That's the kind of God we want an Amazon God. Now, what motivated Jeroboam? I'm, I'm so glad you asked. What would make somebody say it's too much to worship, to, to get in your car, the, your car. By the way, God said, you have been called to be a steward, and a steward is required to be faithful. Guess what a steward is? Think about an airplane. You got a stewardess. And she said, I'm, hello, this is American Airlines. When she said, I'm a stewardess, you don't automatically think she owns that plane. No. She represents the person who owns the plane, and she's simply responsible for executing her responsibilities. A steward is someone who manages the property of another. That's who we are. We are stewards. It's required of us to be found faithful, not to be finding reasons to excuse being committed to God. God said, love me with all, how much your heart, all your heart, all your mind, all your body, all, all of you. I don't want a part of you. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. I'm dancing for him. He says, for Christ I live. Is that your testimony? For Christ I live and for Christ I die. There are at least three reasons why he said it's, a, it's too much. You're not hard you work. The only day in the week you really get to rest after you don't spend all the Lord's money down at the mall is on Sunday. By the way, you know those people don't have to speak to me when I come to church. That's why you need to come to church so you can speak to them to teach them how to be like Jesus. The church is the pearl of great price. In the field, there are all kinds of abandoned, discarded uh, uh, junk. But you're not going to throw the field, the junk away and, and say, I don't want the field because the pearl, the pearl, Jesus is in the church. Jesus is in the church. Here, let me give you three quick reasons. First of all, he said, uh, 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 Jeroboam said, in verse 20 says, if I allow them to go back to Jerusalem and go to church, go to the temple and hear the word of God, they are going to, re they're going to become loyal to whoever's teaching and preaching to them. They're going to turn back to Rehoboam. So I need to do something so they don't kill me. So the reason why he told him it was too much, not because it was, but because he was afraid of what he would lose. I want you to know that pastors are not preaching the word because they're afraid of what they might lose. Pastors aren't preaching about sin because they're afraid of what they might lose. You, you, you can leave. You can go. I'm like Jesus. I'm cool with Jesus. Jesus fed the 5,000 men and their hungry kids, and they ate it all up, and there were 12 baskets left, and they were rubbing their stomach, and they said, we want to make you king. And then Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, accept my death and burial. And the Bible said when he said that, 
that. They said, hey, this dude talking about some cannibalism. This dude's getting weird up on us. This dude talking about accountability and commitment. And the Bible says that every one of those men got their little snotty-nosed kids and their wives, and they went back home, and they never followed him again. And then Jesus said, oh, Lord, I done lost my congregation. What about my income? And, and what going to happen to me now? Jesus looked at the 12. He said, will you leave too? There goes the door. He said, and then Peter, he, I love old Peter. Peter said, but, Lord, where shall we go? You have. You have the words of life. I ain't worried about nobody leaving because I have in this Bible the words of life. And Jesus said in this word of life that I will build my church in the very gates of hell. No pandemic, no monkey pop, no inflation will destroy my church. The church of Jesus Christ is going to survive. So fear, fear, fear. Here's another reason why he didn't, he was saying it was too much. Inconvenient. It's not fair you got to go all the way down there to church. Not fair they calling you again a second time in three months. The fellowship. He said, if they go back and they start meeting and, and interacting and loving up with each other, they're not going to want to be a part of this false doctrine church. <laughs> See, there's something special that you, I, I love it that you're watching. Please keep watching. Get some other people to watch. But when you come to the church, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name. He said, you can touch and agree. There's something about being in the house. Fellowshipping with one another, somebody putting their hand on your shoulder and just saying the right thing at the right time. Something about the Holy Spirit, how he falls when you're in the house. Lord said, do not forsake the assembling, the assembling of yourselves as some do. But coming together in these evil days to encourage. Anybody being encouraged right now? fellowshipping in the church. If anybody, you got understand football, you watch it. You're on the goal line, and you're trying to score a touchdown. You feel it off your ego, and the, 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 the opposing team is the, the terrible Giants or the, or the Dallas Cowboys. And so what the coach will do to prevent you from scoring the touchdown, they bring in the, what they call the big uglies, the biggest dudes on the team, to stop you from scoring on the goal line. And the running back... It's handed off the ball by the quarterback. And on his own, if he tried to overpower the line, those big uglies, he's not going to score a touchdown. He's not going to get into the end zone. But what happens is those linemen, not only the linemen, but the fullback, they will, when, when the line is being pushed, somebody will come behind the running back. And they will all keep pushing and pushing and pushing until finally the running back with the help 
of his teammates crosses the goal line. I want you to know the goal line for Christians is the presence of the Lord. When you come to church, we got other sisters and brothers who are praising the Lord with us, who are celebrating the goodness of God. And something about their praise, something about being in their presence pushes us across that stuff that would hinder us from experiencing God. And we find ourselves worshiping God in his very presence, experiencing his goodness, something about. And so it was a fellowship his fear, but there's a third reason was the feasting on the word. Jeroboam knew that if everybody was being taught the same thing, sound biblical doctrine, not all this nonsense that you were channel surfing for and watching on the internet, get mad at me and you just switch to something else. He understood that people that are getting sound biblical teaching will no longer be like children who can be taught by every wind of doctrine, but they will mature to the full stature and the measure of Jesus Christ. So when you come, I want you to know there's so many Christians who are feasting on junk right now, spiritual junk. And there's no accountability to take you through sound biblical teaching. That's why you need to come. It's not too much. I want you to know, when you really desire something, it's not too far. It's not too long. I was talking to Brandon yesterday. I said, Brandon, how you doing? Here we go. He'll fuss at me later. He said, yeah, I've been up since 7 o'clock. I said, oh, yeah. I said, well, well why, why you get up so early? He had to be somewhere until, I think, 10 o'clock. But what he had to do was something that he had to do. I want you to know that being in the presence of the Lord for those who love Jesus is something you just need to, I got to do this. I, my soul requires that I do this. Let, 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 let me hear you on. Sorry about that, Brandon. Amen. Amen. Now, how does Satan try to convince you to take spiritual shortcuts? Let me quickly run through this. By reinforcing beliefs and false images of God, he made for them golden calves. So I said, wait a minute. If somebody brought some golden calves up in New Direction, we would automatically know. We, we, we call them stupid. You better get out of here. We got a couple of elders who aren't all saved sometimes. They might have, you know, like my Christ strong men. But so I, I asked the question, why would they accept these golden calves? Go back to chapter 11. Solomon had set up high, high places. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines, and they were all foreign wives, and they worshiped idols. And the scripture says, when he was old, they turned his heart away from God to worship idols. So they were accustomed to worshiping idols. The devil subtly gets us to accept something in the place of God. So how, what would an idol look like to us today? Because the idol was a part of their past that got them to their presence. Our idol might look like, well, I got to where I am because of my education. I got to where I am because of the people I know. I got to the place I know because I got money in the bank because of where I live, because of who I'm married to. And so whatever you put above God, that's your golden calf. 
Now, the question is, who is really your God for real, for real? What's most important to you? Well, my figure, my looks, my age, my job. And how do you know what you put most, what's most important? What you serve. What you're most committed to. My bucket list. So we might get upset if somebody rolled up in here in a golden cab, but it might not bother us if they offered us an all-expense trip for the next year that would require that we don't go to church and read our Bible. We might say, okay, God understands. The God I love forgives. The God I love is patient and long-suffering. Reinforcing false belief. What people believe about God today is that God is love. That's what we, God is love. He accepts everybody, and we shouldn't offend anybody. We should just get along together, go along to get along. But the same Bible says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and everyone who suppresses, holds down the truth. He also, here's how, how the devil does. He told them that they deserved a break. It's too much. He actually said, you, you don't need to be doing this tax in your car. It's going to end up needing to be in the shop. You don't know if you'll get COVID. That ain't stopping us from doing anything else we want to do. I saw all those jokers down at the baseball game. I wanted to be there, too. I started in this church at 8 o'clock last morning. I didn't get home until 9 o'clock last night. Don't you think I wanted some of that sun? I want to be down at the baseball game and see the Phillies finally win a game. I ain't seen nobody with a mask on. I'm not telling you not to wear your mask. What I'm saying is, you better be careful about who's telling you it's too much. You deserve a break today. I'm so glad that when Jesus came from heaven and they threatened him with the, to pierce him and to, to lift him and put him on the cross, he didn't say it's too much. He willingly and voluntarily allowed himself to suffer. The Bible says he that knew no sin became sin for us. He left the riches of heaven to become poor for you. He didn't say it's enough. It's too much. He gave it all for us. He gave it all for us. Here's the other thing. I'm almost done. He ordained. Preachers that were not a part of the select family of Levi. He just started picking people. There's certain churches in this city, the wife and the husband are preachers. And they wouldn't leave their church for a million years because the pastor has given them a title. God didn't give it to them. I've seen so many people start podcasts and Facebook, sir. They, everybody's licensed. Everybody's ordained. Ain't nobody trained. Don't nobody have any depth of knowledge. But they done went preaching, but they were never sent to preach. And so he ordained. He just picked people. If I started doing that in our church, we, we wouldn't have room for people to sit. Start ordaining women. Just start doing it. I would if I could find it. I've been searching for it. And I, 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 just to be honest with you, women are a lot easier to deal with than men. If you find it, show it to me. He ordained people in order to maintain control over them. And then here's the final thing he did. He made public worship optional. 
He changed. God had a designated day on the Sabbath. He had other special high days and, and feasts. Uh, Jeroboam made his own days. So you don't have to come to church every Sunday. You can come on a Monday. And I'm not saying every day belongs to the Lord. Just you need to have a designated day that you go. But you don't be changing it in order to make it convenient for people not to be committed to the God. That God is serving them rather than he being served by them. And so what he did, he made public worship optional. If you feel like it today. If you don't, we understand. Just send your tithe and your offering. I want you to know we love you more than your tithe and your offering. We're more concerned about you than anything that you could ever give to this church. He made his own priests, and he designated places for them to worship. We got all kinds of opportunities on the internet where you can go and never leave your house. But what you find is that you will never grow properly spiritual. Because you have decided it's enough. I'm going to take a short. There are no shortcuts. Let me just conclude with this. How do you, how can you avoid spiritual shortcuts? First of all, in your own personal life, are you really serious about growing with the Lord? Are you genuinely serious? What sacrifices are you making to change into the, be changed into the image of Christ? What are you doing differently? We understand this in diet and working out, but here, here's the first thing. Repent by recognizing that you're failing to give God your best. Stop giving God your leftovers. God doesn't need anything from us at all. He really doesn't. But when you try to play God, the Bible says that thing became sin to him, and he released Jeroboam on them. Refuse to believe that you could ever do too much for the Lord. If you to do something, he already has given you the enabling to do it. Stop thinking that you're doing too much for the Lord. Check out your schedule and see where your time is really being dedicated. And I'm not saying that the church is the guiding point. You need to, you, wherever God has placed you, you are the church. <laughs> and so are you serving God as a mother? Are you serving God as a father? Are you serving God in your workplace? Here's another Re- Rededicate your life to the Lordship of Christ, not just him as Savior. Is he the one calling the shots in your life? Or is the Rehoboam or Jeroboam radically pursue the Lord with all your heart? Stand with me. Radically. When I was a young Christian, I could not pray enough. I could not read the Bible enough. I love God like that. I still love God like that. I can't get over the fact that the Lord saved me. I think about the man who was a quadriplegic, paralyzed from the neck down. Somebody told his buddies that Jesus was in Capernaum, and he was preaching at a house. They got to the service late, and not only was it standing room only, there was no room to get in at all. And I could just hear the flesh saying, you did your best. That's enough. It, it's too much to do anything. They said, no, nah, we, we, we ain't going to stop with the shortcut. They got on top of the roof. And they began to tear the roof apart. And once they tore a hole in the roof, they, they lowered their friend down in the presence of Jesus. They refused to accept shortcuts. The woman who had the issue of blood 
She had gone to every doctor, maxed out all her bank accounts, nobody there to help her. She was incurably ill for 12 years. And I hear the word of God saying the crowd was pressing around Jesus. She couldn't just walk to Jesus, but she got on her hands and her knees and she crawled until she could touch the hem of his garment. She refused to take a shortcut. Oh, Zacchaeus in his Rolex watch and his $1,000 shoes and his Lexus. He, he saw, he heard that Jesus was coming to town. The Bible says he crawled up a slick sycamore tree. He just wanted to see Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus was on the road outside of Jericho. The Bible said when Jesus was in Jericho, he didn't heal many there. But blind Bartimaeus, when he heard, he couldn't see, but he heard. He heard, he heard that Jesus, Jesus was coming by. And he started crying out, thy son of David. And he kept getting loud, and the disciples said, be quiet, shut up. Don't you know we don't act like this in church? Don't you understand that we don't behave in an undignified way? And the more they told him to shut up, the more he cried out. He cried out. He refused not to be heard by Jesus. Mary just sat at the foot of Jesus. I'm not leaving until I encounter him. Are you at a place where you're willing to say, Lord, whatever it takes, no shortcuts. I'm not trying to get what you have for me by refusing to do what is required. I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad that God didn't give up on me. Just think about it. He could have said, it's too much. I've been waiting for him. He's heard the word, and he, I'm teaching the word. And the more I teach and he learns, the more he seems to do the exact opposite. But he waited for me. I'm so glad that he was not willing that I should perish, but he was long-suffering so that I can stand before you today saved through Christ. Let's pray. Father, no shortcuts. The church flourishes during times like this. The church doesn't shrink back. We don't retreat. We don't start eliminating. You told the children of Israel when they were in captivity, you told Jeremiah to tell the people to increase increase do not diminish increase father may we recognize that this is a time of increase this is a time of expansion this is a time where we will find that you are faithful and you will do all that you promised in jesus name amen amen praise the lord church